Welcome to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works with David and Mark. Welcome to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works with David and Mark. The Messianic Media Podcast talks about Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works from our perspective. Um, I'm a Messianic Jew, a Jewish believer in Jesus, um, also attend church o- over the years. And um, Mark, um, why don't you give a quick intro? Yeah, I was raised Protestant, and uh, so in a Christian home. Uh, then I've, um, you know, had wavering uh, times in my faith, but, it, you know, have been strong basically in my adult life try, trying to follow the lord uh and then also in college and with joining a band with david knowing that i was 116th jewish on my mother's side uh i've also been digging uh, more into the the jewish roots of the faith i attend a christian church when i can and and we have a, a guest here nate Parrish. he's a solo artist and he's also the guitarist in the band cutlass do you want to tell us a little about your uh, background, um, either musically or uh, spiritually? Sure. Christian, uh, I technically am I, I'm a Southern Baptist, but I came out of the uh, AG uh, church. So that was kind of, I guess, my background, AG, Pentecostal, that kind of stuff growing up. And um, yeah, I've been doing music for a long time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've been doing bands off and on for maybe 20 years now. So, yeah. What were some, some of the bands and uh, music you were doing now uh, before Cutlass? So my, my first, you have to talk about your first band cause it's always the worst band. My first band ever was called <laughs> moving forward. And it was like this really crappy punk band. I had been playing for like six months, um, but our first show was with this band called the Huntington's. You guys familiar with them? Tooth and nail band. Yeah. One of my I've favorite ever- bands still to this day. And so I was like, oh, cool, I made it already. Um, and then we broke up right after that. But uh, I was in a band called Worth Dying For that was kind of like a uh, rock worship thing. So we wrote our own worship stuff, but it was like more, it was heavier. I was the screamer in that band. And then um, did another worship project called Kingdom, uh, which was just another kind of rock worship thing. And then I've been doing, playing guitar for Cutlass for uh, five years. Me and my wife also have a, uh, kind of a um, worship duo thing. It's more like a, I don't know, kind of like a country alt rock folk thing, I guess. Hard to describe, but so I do a lot of, lots of stuff, but uh, finally got to do a solo album where it was just, just me and it was, it's been awesome. So have you been working on it for quite a while? Um, and what would you say is the main influences musically for the album? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think I've been working on it for, in some form, you know, forever. But like, I decided it was a year ago, in July, I decided to um, just, I, you know, I finally got like a little home studio set up, nothing spectacular, but um, got that set up because I knew if I'm going to do it, I, I just pretty much got to do it on my own. And so I started writing songs and the goal was to write and release a song every month for a year and then compile that into an album. Uh, so I started in July uh, with a song and pretty much did that and took, took a break through like November, December, and then decided to, uh, you know, finish the last couple songs and just release an album, uh, which actually came out Friday. But so, um, yeah, so I, I've been working on it, I guess you could say about a year officially. Um, but uh, my influences, I, I grew up, I guess my first, kind of uh, Christian punk band was MXPX, which I'm sure is a lot of people's first <laughs> Christian punk band. I just liked them because they were good, you know, <laughs> to be honest with you. There's a lot of, there was a lot of Christian music that just wasn't good, to be frank. And I, because I love Ramones and uh, Clash and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, these guys are good. They sound different and I like their, their content. Um, so they're in there. Social Distortion is one of my all-time favorite bands. Um, I like... Uh, you know, some of the the more like Bruce Springsteen, just like the American rock and roll stuff, Neil Young. So I try to kind of 
squish all that together, you know, and I don't know if I did it successfully, but <laughs> I did it. <laughs> yeah, I think you did. Yeah, I, I hear it all in, in there myself. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Do you record with Cutlass? What is your role been with that band? The Cutlass thing is funny because uh, the band I, I mentioned before, Worth Dying For, we, we did a tour in 08. And we did a tour with, Cut, it was like a huge tour. It was Cutlass, Thousand Foot Crutch, Pillar, Firefly, Run Kid Run, Estralin. There's a bunch of bands on there. And we got on that tour. And I, I, I hadn't really listened to Cutlass very much. I knew who they were, but I hadn't really listened to them. And I used to do like kind of uh, office style document type stuff about our shows and tours and things and I popped in my head I was like I'm gonna do one about me being obsessed with Cutlass because it was I, <laughs> I, didn't, I hadn't really heard them so I could just made up stuff about the band that was like fake trivia and things like that and they got involved and all the bands caught on to it and they all got involved so you can actually search it it's on YouTube uh, I think it's called Nate from Cutlass and basically it's me going around trying to convince fans at the tours that I'm in the band and <laughs> And obviously it wasn't, but the weird, the weirdest thing is, so people watch that video now and they think I just made it like after I, cause I'm in the band, it's super weird. So, uh, through that, I became friends with James and John Micah, um, and just kept in contact with James. He's just, you know, we just clicked and, uh, he out of the blue, literally I was at work and he called me and, uh, he's like, Hey, do you, uh, do you want to play guitar with us? It's <laughs> like, uh, sure. <laughs> And so he's like, all right, cool. Here's, you know, 20 songs. Can you learn these in, you know, the next couple of weeks or a month or whatever? And uh, then you come up and play a show in Oregon. <laughs> it was with like Toby Mac. It was like thousands of people there. It was crazy. Yeah, it, it's really weird. It's nothing I, I could have orchestrated. I actually, I started, I'm like, maybe if I make a video about something, it will come true. So I'm working on some new videos <laughs> now about me finding like a bag of money on the street or, you know, like getting a, fancy car or something but it's super weird so you know I guess it would be a god thing because it's nothing that I I couldn't have orchestrated that I didn't do anything I just they called me and said do you want to play guitar so I'm like all right cool do you uh do you tour with them now and or do you like do you end up writing any music with them or how does that uh, how does that all I work out I haven't written anything with them yet uh since I joined the band uh there's the 2015 album came out right when I joined so they had taken the band pictures yeah. like three weeks before I joined the band. So I was kind of bummed about that. And then uh, yeah. the next album was like a worship album. And I had submitted some songs that I had written, but um, none of them were kind of, you know, it wasn't really the same kind of vibe that they were going for, I guess. And uh, I've written like a riff maybe, but because when we play live, you know, you, you kind of, they've you know, given me the freedom to just sort of like make it my own, you know, with some of the songs. And so, but I haven't recorded anything with them. It's pretty much just, touring and playing shows and doing all that kind of stuff but uh, we're in the process of writing an album right now and uh, James is he's kind of demoing it out so he's sending me the the demos and it's it's heavy it's good it'll be cool people who liked the old colors um, like the kind of the rock stuff will, will be super into it if you google Nate Cutlass, you do appear in some nice, uh, some nice band photos now. So yeah, <laughs> you're like the cool, cool tall yeah. guy with the, <laughs> with the long hair in the background. I Photoshop myself yeah. in those. Yeah, so I'm I'm really good at Photoshop. I just I just kind of put those on Google myself. Gotcha. I do, I do appreciate the uh, the design artwork that went into the album, and I, oh. I mm. you designed the logos for each of the songs. Yes, sir. Yeah. Were you doing one a month as, a, as you were working through the songs as well? Yeah, so um, part of the fun is, I'm, a, I'm an artist you know, as well, so I, I love all that kind of stuff. And I love the, um, you know, with music, I think something that we've gotten away from in, in our kind of uh, fast food process thing is it's, it's art, music and albums used to be like a collection of like, it was a whole experience, right? So you could you could read the lyrics and then you could see the artwork and be like, Oh, okay. And see how it ties in. And you know, there's uh, that was part of the fun about music, you know, seeing the whole, the whole experience, the, the visual as well as the audio. So I kind of wanted to recapture some of that. And um, part of releasing a song at a time was I wanted to, each song to have its own kind of icon. So when it was all done, you know, it could have this collection of things. So uh, each icon kind of represents, the subject matter you know I think the, the first one was politicians and celebrities and it's 
one of those uh, markers, you know, for like a movie set. But it's got like a blade in it, so it's like a guillotine kind of deal. So it kind of it just illustrates <laughs> the kind of the death culture of of Hollywood and and all that stuff. But I put it on pastel colors, so it's not as grim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like um, that's a good song. Uh, that one to me is one of the songs that sounds the most like social distortion. Yeah, on the album for sure. Um, I like the lyrics, um, and you, um, I like that you said, um, we're a means to an end, means to an end, these people aren't your friends, they just play them on TV. I like yeah. that, I noticed on the, the lyric video, you actually did put the uh, the Friends logo. <laughs> yeah, dude, so my, um, I have a group of buddies that, so on the album, apart from, uh, I play every instrument except for bass, like half and half. And then um, obviously not drums. Okay. Um, I have a group of friends and then we do worship together at church and stuff. And uh, I include them in like our, our music videos and stuff. And whenever we do live things, if we ever get to play live again. But one of my buddies, Andrew, uh, is a video editor. So he put that together and he did that on his own. And I was like, nice, nice touch, dude. I like that. <laughs> was yeah. that. Was that kind of intentional though, with the, the actual, the song itself? Uh, or were you referring to something else? Oh, I, I wasn't referring to the the show Friends. It was basically just kind of the climate we, we live in, even more so now than a year ago. But, you know, kind of where we've been for the past whatever, you know, since we've got internet and people started caring what celebrities say. It's just I'm amazed at the people that we, the opinions that we care about. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I love movies. I love all, like, obviously I watch movies and all that kind of stuff, but but their job is to pretend to be someone else. That's their job. So why do we care and why do we base our opinions and, and what stance we take on things on what these people say? It doesn't compute with me, it's kind of dumb. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's yeah. the whole point of that. It's just like, not that they're, they're dumb, I'm just saying look, they're, they're people just like us and they, they have, you know, their, they want to sell tickets to their movies and politicians want to get your votes. Just be mindful of that and make more informed decisions. Don't be like, well, Jennifer Aniston tweeted it. So it's the truth. It's like, well, it might not be, but I love friends. You know, I'd like to think that I'm, well, I'm not as influenced on celebrities um, as, as other people, but you know, it is, it's kind of collective. And it's like, if you hear enough people talk about something, then, start to think that it's important. So it's just uh, yeah, interesting on that. Um, well, getting a little bit into the meaning behind the lyrics, is the lyrics, uh, you know, go to the left or the right, talking about um, just taking a stand in general? With that song, it's pretty on the nose. You know, everything is outrage is kind of addressing outrage culture and, and how, um, man, I heard this interesting take on it just the other day was basically, how uh, endorphins have become like the new drug. And so the reason we have extremists, it's not that it happens, but I think more than we like to admit, we make extremists of ourselves because we have become addicted to the endorphin rush that comes with um, confirmation from people and attention. So like, for example, if I tweet something that's like, you know, outrageous, like some hot take about whatever, and people are like, yeah, man, right on. I'm like, yeah, dude, yeah. So then the next day, just like a drug, I have to up the ante, right? So on top, oh, okay, you like that? Well, guess what? I don't know what, you know, they push it farther to the extreme, where there's the left or the right. And before you know it, you know, you're an endorphin junkie. You're basically hooked on this, this sort of attention that you're getting from people you don't know. You'll never know. Don't care about you. But yet, that's what we what's what we do, and so that it, it causes this further division where, and they and that works out well for politicians. That's that's what they want, right? If you can demonize the other side, count on people not doing their research, then you can bring them into your fold and and farther and make this gap, you know, farther in between. It talks about the the common ground. Um, I had a lyric about the common ground it erodes beneath us or something like that. They have caught on to this, right? So they're using and pushing outrage culture to radicalize people because that is more successful for keeping them elected. And uh, we just got to freaking wake up. And the, the reason that there's two 
there should, you know, there's more parties, but let's be honest, there's, there's two parties. The reason that they exist is they, they represent two different perspectives. Well, the point is, or should be, to find the middle balance, right? Because I don't think one going far either way is, is beneficial to the whole. I think you got to find a balance. That's the reason they exist and have different perspectives. Is the reason we should talk to people that aren't like us is so we can figure out, you know, we can have a different perspective and like, oh, okay, I never thought of that. But they don't really want that. Um, either, you know, so, and here we are, we're, you know, getting pushed to the left or the right, pick a side and I don't know. I'm just going to vote for George Feeney from Boy Meets World for president. Like I have the past <laughs> 10 years. So. No, and it, it's tough. I know, <laughs> even though I know it's a, the system and how algorithms are designed, it's just like, a, I'm going to engage most in stuff that I really agree with or really disagree with. Um, yeah, totally. I, it's like, I know it's a lot of it's like, it's the push buttons or, you know, if you keep on, you know, if you keep on, bringing up a contentious, if you bring in issue after issue, then you can't spend too much time on, you know, changing one issue. On, um, well, it's, it's, the, it's the reason clickbait exists. It's, it's where we click on things like that have, you know, fantastic headlines and no one's going to click on an article that says, learn how to make bologna sandwiches. It's like, oh, that's cool. But if it's like <laughs> bologna with chocolate, that's calorie free. Can it be real? And you're like, oh, dude, I'm clicking on it. Yeah, it's not real, but <laughs> it's how they do it. A great internet axiom. Um, I forgot the name of it, but it says like if if an article starts with a question, the answer is going to be no. Yeah, I love those. They're the best. So awesome. Yeah, you have. I think you have like uh, I counted at least four songs that kind of go along this theme with, mm -hmm. with Mind Monopoly, yeah. politicians and celebrities everything is outrage and then house made of mirrors kind of yeah. um i think like the sh we sharpen our teeth for the for the reply mm -hmm. uh I, I also i like the the I, kind of the you slipped in the we'll never see change in our lifetime if we live in a, a in a house made of mirrors mm -hmm. kind of like we need to like kind of look look deeper not just reflect um and then maybe maybe look to god or to mm -hmm. see what what else is going to come from the maybe from the outside or from maybe even like look deeper into our own lives you know you know absolutely we're i think our our biggest mistake which is weird because i'm not a you know i don't post political stuff on facebook or anything like that because it's just a waste of time there's never i don't think there's ever been a, a post that someone was like you know what you're right i'm going to change what i believe because of your facebook post thank you for that I don't think that happens. I think it just entrenches people. But the hardest thing about it's work, right? Finding you got to sometimes you got to find people that aren't like you. So that's tough. You got to be open to hearing opinion you may not like, and that sucks because most people we spend our time with you know sharpening our teeth for the reply. When they're talking, we're just like, oh, I'm going to nail them on this. Here's my reply, but you don't actually hear what the person says. So that's why you have so many of these like interviews and stuff where someone will say. Oh, I, I believe in puppies. And the person's like, so what you're saying is cats are evil? It's like, uh, no. <laughs> I didn't say that. Because <laughs> we don't actually listen, right? We just want the snappy comeback. And uh, it's really hard and it's really humbling to actually have dialogue. We forgot how to do it because we don't need to anymore. We don't need to see your face. We could just write something and be like, boom, mic drop. I don't ever have to face you so I can be really tough behind a screen and it just kills our, our dialogue and it, there's, you can't have unity that way. You can't have compromise. You just have, you just, for, you just push extremism and it's tough. Like, you know, I, I don't like admitting I'm wrong or sometimes I don't want to hear what other people have to say, knowing that I'm going to disagree, but I think it's healthy because you know, when you tell, you, you ever see here, see someone on the, on a Facebook and you, their online presence, you're like, wow, this person sucks. And then you meet them in real life and you're like, oh, they're not that bad. Cause that's not really what we're like. What we do online, it's not really, it's not us. It's, it's either the best of us or the worst of us. But if you find an actual human in real life and talk to them, there's a good chance, you know, you'll be able to, you know, find some sort of common ground if you're patient, you know, but it's just hard. Yeah, I, I do think, uh, you know, especially with the coronavirus, it's, I think it's even complicated and highlighted some of these 
um, the issues in our culture because I think in our in our culture, uh, like I studied communication in in, uh, in college, and uh, we need to have opportunities to like to meet face to face and engage in dialogue. But uh, I guess if we're um, if we just engage online, um, then it's harder to have that that human human relationship i mean because even still even if you meet face to face like i've had some difficult conversations oh yeah with people <laughs> yeah i mean like it takes a while things get like if if you ever go on twitter which i don't suggest it uh it's just the worst <laughs> it's just the worst humanity has to offer like there's there, people talk to each other and they say things that they would never say to a person's face guaranteed because either you'll chicken out or you'll get punched in the mouth you know, like that, you just, it's just gross. Like seeing, like someone will post, I like this movie. And someone's like, oh, I hope your family dies. This movie's better. What? I hope my family dies. I just said I like superhero movies. What the heck? Yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> like I can have, you know, preferences within like Marvel DC or. Yeah. Um, I love both. <laughs> stuff like that. It's, it's just crazy how there's you know, people to take that personally and stuff like that. I, I mean, like maybe if you're a creator involved, I, I don't even you know, I think the people even, you know, the people making those are, are taking that as seriously. You know? No, no, I'm always, it's always the people who aren't involved in the process that are like, how dare you? And then the people who actually make it are like, oh, okay, I made it. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Cool. Um, for the, uh, yeah, go for it, David. Yeah, uh, for when you're talking about, uh, so the first song, I'm a Wreck, first song is talking about faith. Um, so you're talking about like the lyric between belief and fear. Is mm -hmm. that like talking about having doubts sometime? Um, and how did you approach this uh, spiritually versus songs that, you know, would you be writing in the future for Cutlass? Right. Um, so that song particularly, it was a really, actually it was one of the easier songs on the album. It just came out because it was just like a emotion in the moment thing. And, um, and those songs are cathartic, but basically just addressing like we, as a Christian, um, especially, you know, there's, there's even the, the opening lines, I don't want to be your constellation. I don't want to be your guiding light, which is essentially, you know, when you're a Christian and you're saying, yes, I am a follower of Christ, you basically, you're on, you're, you have a target now because people just love it, right? When a Christian fails, and think it's great. And so you're, so there's just that raw emotion of like, man, I don't want to care what people think about me, but yet there's an element of, if I'm a Christ follower, then I have to be a representative of Christ. And so there's that tension, right? Of um, just really being like, just leave me alone. But also <laughs> I want to point you towards Christ. And just being honest about, um, you know, faith and frustration and belief and fear um, that we are, uh, I think the reason we feel uneasy and we feel conflicted, because that song is basically about con inner conflict, right? Even the graphic, if you look at it, the teeth on the skull are make of, they're made of uh, addition and minus signs. And then it's, uh, hmm. the eyes are fire, but the, the nose is uh, water. So... So it's like an inner conflict thing that I, you know, constantly feel. And I think it's healthy because if I didn't feel conflict, I'd be a little worried. Maybe I didn't care about, you know, uh, about that. But um, it's basically. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, just basically like being, knowing that you're, you're called to a kingdom that's not here. But, and, and you're, um, follow, you're following a, you know, a, a savior who, is not human, but you're human, you know? And so yeah. just kind of being open about that. Yeah. I, uh, I noticed, um, through, through searching that you've, it looks like uh, then some time ago you joined a, a church in Bakersfield. By the way, I have some family in Bakersfield. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Who, um, yeah, my brother, my, my parents met in, in Bakersfield and there's oh. a long story, but my brother is still there and I still have cousins and nice. uncles and all that. <laughs> in the area. I love Bakersfield. Um, yeah. Um, so you, it looks like you joined a, a church as um, like a, as a kind of pastor, creative outreach pastor and teaching pastor. I noticed there's like a YouTube, at least one YouTube video of you preaching uh -huh. there. Um, and, uh, but I, I was wondering if you, like, if you, do you, um, 
did have you noticed that like being a becoming a pastor has like heightened that like being um being like pointing people to Jesus and um and then not to yourself but you know how how does that work out or yeah, so we, we took a position, we've been here for three years, uh, but me and my wife, we actually, we both work at the church, we're creative and worship directors. So um, I, basically I'm over the creative department, so I do our graphics and you know video and all that stuff and, and worship. So we lead worship, I led worship this morning, uh, we both did. Um, so we're not pastors per se, but we are um, directors, so there's a lot of pastoral ministry that takes place. I get to preach once a year. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> that one was, um, it was an apologetic series, which I love apologetics. Um, it's super fun to do that kind of stuff, but, um, you know, honestly, a lot of yes and no, weirdly, because I had come out of the AG. I don't know if you're familiar with assembly of, of God. And so I went it, to, a, I went to a vineyard church, so I, I know like a little bit and yeah, for yeah. a little while. So it's kind of, I guess the easy way is it's, it's the Pentecost, it's like a branch of Pentecostal. So it's really charismatic, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And so when we applied for this job and we did our interviews and stuff, I didn't on purpose, I didn't ask them what the denomination was because I didn't want to base anything off of yeah. that. I just was like, what do you care about? What's the, you know, close handed issues with the open hand and all that kind of stuff. I think it was the third interview. They said they're Southern Baptists. So I was like, really? Hmm. Okay. Right on. Uh, so I think that the, the uh, denomination change along with kind of like a, over those years of kind of coming away from that minds, the charismatic mindset into more of a, I don't know what reformed ish. I don't know. I don't like to, I don't know, put a label on it, but there, there, yeah. I find that there's less pressure to be a quote world changer and it's more focused on um, like face, like what's in front of you type ministry. So like your, your neighborhood and your church where to be honest, like where I came from was more of like, skip that. That's small potatoes. You're going to change the world. And I'm like, well, maybe I won't. Most people won't. I mean, if we were all world changers, wouldn't that kind of, wouldn't we run into our changing would bump into each other eventually. Right. Uh, it just doesn't even make sense. So it's more of a focus on like just individual and, and discipleship. To answer your question, uh, yeah. yes, but in a different way. Uh, there's, it's just different, you know. I felt, I've always felt it, but it's just a different kind of approach now. Uh, by the way, yeah, you know, it's like Jesus, Yeshua, he, he walked around and had a, he taught a lot of people, met a lot of people, but his closest disciples, he just had a, just had a handful of them or, you know, about a dozen. <laughs> Honestly, like my uh, father-in-law was probably the greatest Christian man I've ever known. And hmm. nobody knows who he is. Uh, but hmm. I can guarantee he memorized the book of John, which I'm like, I didn't, I don't even know that how it's possible. And he, uh, he's, he, he, I would say is left a legacy because he, it was take care of your family disciple your family first and then let God take the rest, you know, just be a, a good example at, at your workplace, all that kind of stuff, just the basic stuff that he put time into. And I think like, who did you know that was a saint on earth? This guy, you don't know him. He's not on any podcasts. He never preached on a stage, but like that dude gets it. And so I think, I think there's a lot of those guys out there that we should probably learn from. <laughs> yeah. For me, like I can think about that, like, um, with my uh, grandfather, you know, mm -hmm. where he was definitely, he led a lot of people to you know, Jesus Yeshua through um, personal relationships and talking to people. And I don't think he was ever on the internet, really. Um, <laughs> that's something that's, you know, hard for me personally, you know, being antisocial, um, you know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, it's something to work towards. The last song I think Hope was, um, was a bit more direct on on being spiritual and I, I really like the faith become my eyes yeah yeah that was a so I had finished the album basically had finished it in uh, March and then the pandemic hit we went into quarantine all that kind of stuff 
And I felt like, man, I have a really great opportunity to address this and literally give hope because uh, that's, that's what we need. Um, and so I took a, a song off the album. I wrote that and recorded it and finished it in like two weeks. And then threw, finished the artwork, threw it in the album and got it in just under the wire. So it's the last song on the album and I, it's the last one I just wrote. Like I just wrote that not that long ago. <laughs> so I think it was in March. Yeah. So, um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's all, it's just definitely the more, um, upfront. And the interesting thing about, so while it's a, I'm a, there's this whole debate about, is there such thing as Christian music? You know, we get it all the time with Cutlass, like who's, you know, Christian band. I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as Christian music. There's just Christians and they might make music like music doesn't have a, it's a thing, right? The person makes it. And so I don't believe in a Christian music. I believe in Christians that do that make music. And so there's, um, there's different things that we can talk about, but if you, you talk about it through a, a, the lens of the gospel, it's, you know, it's still valuable just because it's not congregational worship or doesn't say, you know, Jesus, however many times you have to put it in a song for it to get on the radio, <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's not beneficial to people. And so I had to kind of embrace that because a lot of times I'd write a song I'm like, Oh, I want to write a song about, you know, like outrage culture from a perspective, from a balanced perspective. And there's a, that, of course you're going to get that. Well, I thought you were a Christian. Well, yeah, but you know, <laughs> I do live on earth and stuff. <laughs> so, and I have a brain too, that I think about things. It doesn't, you know, it's still, I'm still a Christian. I'm just addressing things as Jesus did. You know, he addressed uh, culture a lot, actually. So um, that song is, is probably the most, like you're saying, the, the most forward faith thing. I wanted to end the album on that note, you know. I know in New Testament writings, Jesus is quoted a lot, and there's a lot of quotes from the Old Testament. There's also quotes that are from non-scriptural works and like works that probably wouldn't be considered inspired, but it's it's about the context and stuff like that and i know there's yeah it's interesting it's like okay well it has to be this has to say this much to be christian and it has to right well, not say this much to be played on secular radio it's it's interesting right i'm kind of in the in the middle that way that's okay Actually had a was it saxophone on the I'm a Rex song? <laughs> yeah, I have a um, I have a friend that I would do these uh, worship conferences, and he's in uh, Virginia. He would play saxophone during the set. I was like, oh man, this guy's rad. So we we just been friends for a while, and uh, when I wrote that song, there's like a guitar riff, um, you know, kind of a lead line, and I thought I was like, I don't know, I, I, I love saxophone, but it's I love like old bands like Chicago and stuff like that, where I love those brass sections and it, like, man, yeah. I, wonder if I could do this. So I sent it to him. I was like, I don't know, bro. I don't even think he's into punk rock at all. I was like, but I don't know if this will work, but can you, can you, can you try? And he did it. And I was like, when I got the, the demo back, I just started cracking up, which means it's awesome. You know, and it makes you laugh. <laughs> yes, dude. Yeah. And so it's, it's like one of my favorite parts on the album. I'm actually, I'm already starting to write the second one and, I'm going to include a lot more. I think um, I like that. I like that vibe. I, I I like the the bringing together sort of like the the Springsteen and the you know the Social D and all that kind of stuff. It almost like I think it's almost more striking because it is a, a saxophone than it would be if it was just a guitar riff. Then you know it might sound like normal, yeah. but it's because it's that saxophone. It, you know, it has that throwback that throwback feeling too from like yeah. the '80s. I love that, man. I love that stuff. And he, he plays mandolin on um, things my father taught me. He, he's in the music video, um, but he played mm -hmm. mandolin. He played, his father passed away recently, and so I asked him if he would play. On, so he's actually playing his dad's mandolin on uh, the song. Uh, my mom passed away from cancer in 2015 after, uh, you know, 
a bit of a struggle. And then also today is Father's Day. Yeah. Um, so it's got to be it's got to be difficult to you. I don't know if you're a father yourself too, but um, yeah, kind of like how did that song? How how was it writing that song? And how did it come about? And you know, was it was it easy or difficult to write that one? Um, um, so actually, he passed away nine years ago today. Um, yeah. Father's wow, Day. So. Yeah. So um, when he passed, uh, I did write a song, and I still have a recording of it, and it's a cool song. But um, I was thinking about maybe you know kind of retracting that one day. But uh, it took me a long time to. There's so many thoughts and emotions that you have wrapped up in that, you know, yes. everything from anger to sorrow to sometimes there's peace, a weird peace where you're like, I'm glad he's not like, you know, suffering. It's weird, right? It's like a weird thought. And uh, so yeah. I think it took me a long time and to settle into that. But when I started writing the song, super easy. Like the, um, that's one of the more, that was one of the easier songs because it was just like stored up. You know what I mean? Like it, I had already sort of written it inside years ago. And then when I had like the confidence to, to let it out, it was already ready to go. But I, I wanted to touch about, uh, talk about like some of his specific uh, dadisms that he had, you know, so the song's pretty like right on, like he literally had holes in all his jeans. Um, and we would make, <laughs> I was like, bro, he had holes in the front of his jeans. And I was like, dad, I can literally see your underwear. He's like, eh, whatever, dude. And, and, and you're like, dude, buy some pants. I'll buy you some jeans. But the point was that he, uh, he didn't care about himself so much. It was always for us. Yeah. So he did, he's just like, you guys have jeans. It's fine. And he was like that, you know, and, but his truck, there's that line where his truck was literally always clean and always smelled really good because he took care of his stuff. He took care of his truck because yeah. it was a company truck. So he taught me, if someone gives you a responsibility, you, you treat it like it's your, you, don't, you actually treat it better than it's your own. So his truck was immaculate, but his pants were, looked like mummy pants. You know, they were just like falling apart. And, and so I love that about him where he, you know, he just had his priorities and respect for, for stuff. And um, so it was, it was actually an easy song to write. And it, it wasn't, I thought it might be hard to record, but I think the vibe of it wasn't very, it wasn't super sorrowful, sorrowful. Yeah, that's a word. Um, it wasn't very somber. You know what I mean? There's elements of that, but it was more of like, here's like the cool stuff that he taught me literally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So he, so nine years today and uh, I'm, I'm actually having a son in three weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> My first one. So. So it's kind of an interesting time. And I, I actually released the album on purpose on the 19th. So it would be close if yeah, I would have released it on a Saturday, but albums, they don't come out on Saturdays. They come on Fridays. So I wanted to release it on, mm -hmm. on that day. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I'm glad you were able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. Um, I've, you know, just with my mom, I've been able to, you know, put small little moments and they, they do, I, 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 that resonates with me that the idea of um, like I, we, we, for our worship project, there's a song and I was looking for a second verse and I, and I looked at a Psalm that my mom really liked and, mm -hmm. you know, for the, the verse, you know, it, it really felt, and I could sing it and it, it felt true because of, because of her. Um, and so, yeah, that resonates with me. Yeah. It, it, it really, so Rachel's, my wife's dad passed away in August um, wow. he's the guy I was talking about. And so, yeah. And I wrote the song in, uh, November before that. So, mm -hmm. and he was the same way. So if you watch the video, his pictures in it, she, she holds his picture up and my producers is my, is, uh, my brother-in-law. So it was his dad. And so it was kind of like everyone, you know, collectively was kind of like, it was a song was about all of our dads. It's about my dad specifically, but it, it applies to, to that, you know? So it was cool. It was, it was awesome. I got to record the video in a, this random guy that a friend of a friend has this junkyard, doesn't tell anyone about it. It's not on the internet, but he likes collecting <laughs> old cars and stuff and like military vehicles. And my dad was in the army and so uh, I had yeah. pictures of him in the military 
So um, I got to film the music video in that junkyard with all these like military vehicles and stuff. So it was really cool. It was, it was rad. Yeah. You get to be involved with uh, the video aspects. The music videos, it's, it's me and Andrew, my buddy Andrew. Um, everything is outrage. Uh, we really like lo-fi old school stuff, especially him. So we shot that all on VHS Panasonic camcorder. Oh, sweet. That's so real. That, that little, yeah. the play icon is from that, yeah. literally. Yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all real. Because um, I'm like, I'm not no poser. If we're going to do this, we're going to do it. And so it, it makes it way more difficult. But we did it. And then Monsters as well was also filmed in VHS. That's the Halloween themed one where we dressed up like monsters. You should watch that one if you haven't. It's yeah. so rad. And all people, I just did this morning you know we we love um sort of like 80s uh, really bad horror movies with like practical effects and all that kind of stuff so um we wanted to do that with the video and then all the promotion stuff i just do myself but um i work with with andrew and maybe we'll come up with a concept and then i'll let him do his thing and yeah so we have one more music video uh mind monopoly we've been working on and then um hmm. uh actually i just had a uh there was an online music festival that I had to set in today. So there's like a, a live version of I'm a wreck and permanence. Um, but eventually I like to do music videos for all of them. It's just fun. I just like doing it. And um, if we could do them all in VHS, I would, but I don't want to wear out the novelty, you know, <laughs> it's hard. It's actually really difficult because you have to set up a monitor because there's no, there's no viewer, right? Like you yeah. can't really see what you're doing. You're just like shooting it. And then you have to hook it up to an actual little tiny, TV monitor to see what you're shooting. Yeah, but the, for the monsters video, I almost that uh, you know, I, I'm I'm assuming that it doesn't it doesn't necessarily matter if things are off the frame because it's no. it's kind of like a bunch of ghosts and cre creepy things. Mm -hmm. Did you? Um, I noticed the Descendants kind of style Terminator picture. Did, is that your own design or or do the Descendants do that? And that no, that, that one appears in the monsters video too. Yeah, no, that's all that's all my stuff. That's so I did like a um, you know, have like artwork and stuff that I do. And I want, I did a series of like classic punk albums and like just mix it with stuff I like. So that's a, a black flag, but it's um, black suit Spider-Man. So it says black suit. And then oh, yeah. I just started making it because I wanted to have it for myself and I have an online store and everything, but it's mostly for me. David and I are big star Wars fans and, and among yeah. other, uh, among other, you know, culture and trivia. Uh, I was talking to a, to one of my to my coworker recently about and he's a big fan of he-man he was saying that he-man's basically star wars <laughs> and he said if they do an adaptation of he-man it should be kind of more like star wars what do you think what do you think about that one yeah so have you ever seen the uh, masters of the universe movie from 1986 uh, you, no i haven't it's maybe on my list now. it's not great <laughs> uh but dolph lundgren is he-man <laughs> uh it's terrible but I love it, but it's, it is star Wars. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's very similar. I mean, you're it's Eternia and like all this is a distant galaxy, if you will. And you know, it's just, it's funny, but they're actually adapting. Um, so they've been working on a movie for a while. I don't know what's going on with it, but there's like two, I guess, two uh, Netflix series coming out with, hmm. uh, yeah, Kevin Smith's doing it. Uh, so I just want them to do it. Right. I don't know what that really means, <laughs> but I don't want it to be lame. Like Skeletor, if Skeletor, if he existed in real life, like looking the way he does and like all his henchmen, they got to be scary. You got to go for it. Mm. Don't make them cheesy. Don't marvel it. I want you to DC it. I don't want you to marvel this one. That's my, that's okay. my, that's my preference. So I would love it or get Taika Watiti to direct it and have, have him do the, uh, go the other direction and just have it be um, more of a Ragnar Thor Ragnarok, you know? Yeah, funny and crazy. Yeah, either uh, one will work, but you gotta commit. Going back to the songs, um, uh, speaking of like Skeletor and the monsters theme, mm -hmm. I, I liked I liked monsters, like I, that resonated with me where like we have these, in pop culture, we have like these horror movies and, and like scary things going on. Mm -hmm. But then like also like as, as believers, we, you know, 
and we believe in a, a spiritual realm a, a, as well and that yeah. they're you know like you know literally there's like jesus is yeshua is casting out demons and mm-hmm. people is that kind of what you were we were talking about with the with the song i actually wasn't or, what, what? <laughs> i wasn't <laughs> but that's the beauty of art right it's open to yeah. interpretation and like i i had some people they, they told me what they thought house made of mirrors was about and it, it wasn't mm-hmm. i was like cool that's fine yeah totally good with that it actually i wanted to write a, a love song because there's no love songs i don't do love songs necessarily um not that i'm opposed to them but i have too much stuff i usually write out of a place of um sort of like frustration kind of wrapped in irony a little bit and yeah. love doesn't fit in those categories hopefully you're with your significant <laughs> and so um but i wanted to write a love song like i was like i'm gonna do this but I'm going to do it the Nate way. And so I, I wrote it um, from the perspective of applying where it talks about like stepping into the light. You realize that we all got shadows of sort of like yeah. uh, sometimes you meet people that they expose you, but it's a good thing, right? Like you realize, Oh man, you don't know what good is until you meet that person. You, you know, and a lot of us can uh, you spend your life, just kind of being haunted by your, your ghosts, which are metaphors for like your, your past relationships or whatever you've done. And you kind of just live mm-hmm. being haunted by that. But then you meet the person that's like, they, they're the light switch. And so that's why the, the logo is that this the light switch. But I just wanted to have fun with it. You know, I just wanted to have a fun uh, kind of love song and kind of incorporate my love for, um, you know, cheesy horror movies and Frankenstein and all that stuff. And so it kind of, and then it's also, um, it's a direct nod to Ramones in the way that, especially with the guitar licks and stuff, I really wanted to like yeah. reference that. Yeah. The keyboards too. Yeah. The keyboards. I, I thought, kind of that I like uh, the, uh, the very, 80s Ramones, you know. I like the, 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 uh, the part in the video too with the little, the dad character saying, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> that, that made me laugh. That's, that's my friend Cameron. That's his house. That's we shot all that in this little tiny bedroom that was like the guest bedroom, but it's all children's size. So the little bed that I'm on is like this tiny bed. Cause I wanted it to look like a kid's room, but like, obviously I'm not a kid. I'm six foot three. So, uh, but I wanted it to look like that. And that I, it took me, I, I had the hardest time finding the onesie that fit. And it was October that we filmed that or September or September, but it was, I'm going to guess 85 to 95 degrees in that room because we're all jammed in there and then we're all wearing like costumes. It was the worst, but it was super fun. We almost (laughs) fought each other. For the music videos, you look like you have the disciple drummer and who's in it on bass? Um, Yeah, that's, that's my buddy, Jason. Uh, He plays bass on most, if not, yeah, half, if not a little bit more than half the tracks on the album. Um, he is a friend of mine, lives here in Bakersfield. We leave, we lead worship together. Uh, he was in a band back in the day called yeah. Sunday and they had uh, toured and did all that stuff. And yeah, he's just a, he's just a good buddy of mine, just a punk rocker like me. And, um, so he played, he played bass on that. And then that was Joey from disciple. Um, and then Chris on, on saxophone, but, uh, Jason is the Dracula in monsters. Yeah, which he's fantastic. Yeah, in that role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was glad I actually watched the the video itself. The uh, the still from it freaked me out, and then the, like the video is awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not scary at all. It, that's kind of the point. Like if you look at, especially the the ghost is ridiculous. Like it's Tyler literally in a sheet that I got at a thrift store. Cut the cut the eyes out and painted his eyes black, and yeah. yeah he's playing a little tiny drum kit in the corner. And yeah, I had to, we had to jam Jason under the bed and then we, um, he squished in there. Cause I really wanted that shot of where he like comes, he like, it looks like he slides out from underneath the bed. So he had to like physically uh-huh. like crunch underneath the bed and then like kick off the wall to like slide back. Okay. He's a trooper. Do you play the, the keyboard too for the teaser that you used in the intro to the song or <laughs> how that? No, how you get the um, music? No, I actually recorded that in Logic. I used, uh, it's a combination of a keyboard, a synth, and then two guitar tracks. And I just sort of uh, okay. 
played that melody line together and sort of, you know, mixed them to where, because uh, I don't, I don't really play keyboards, but I can, if I have a melody in my head, I can, I can play yeah. it. Uh, my wife's a keyboard yeah. player, but uh, yeah, I, tr I did all that in Logic. Um, yeah. So it kind of has a yeah, unique sound, but. Yeah, I think it fits in like, you know, with the, the Muse, Muse had a few music videos recently and they had that kind of sound in the strange, you know, with Stranger Things. Oh, cool. Yeah. That, that kind totally. of style is coming back a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. So what's your uh, favorite Schwarzenegger film since you? Ooh, all right. Now we're, now we're getting somewhere. Um, so Terminator <laughs> and Terminator 2. Probably T2 is probably the greatest Arnold movie that has ever or greatest movie that has ever been created. Uh, I, lo <laughs> I love those two. Uh, obviously Predator. One of my favorites is Kindergarten Cop. We watch it often. Mm -hmm. And also, um, I like True Lies. That's actually a great movie, James Cameron. And yeah, yeah uh, Twins. I Dude, I, I think the only Arnold movie I don't love is uh, Collateral Damage. That one's not good. Yeah, Terminator 2 and two, Terminator 1 are going to be my favorite two movies, but I have a very yeah. tough spot for uh, Last Action Hero. Oh, dude, that's such a good movie. It's way ahead of its time. It was like Deadpool before there was Deadpool. How it's like meta, you know, because it breaks the third wall. I hadn't thought of that. That's Yeah. You know, it's just very quotable and, yeah, it's just dealing, you know, like making fun of cliches, but it's still... Yeah. It's just leaning into them, and I just love the. I think Arnold is is best when he's self-aware. If he's not going to be like Terminator or something, like in like in Kindergarten Cop, he's hilarious in that because he's just he's like, uh, I'm not a teacher. Yeah. I'm not going to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's basically embracing that it's a crazy situation, you know. Yeah, I love Arnold. That's cool. Governor, were the you gov in California when he was our governor? I've been in <laughs> I've been in California my entire life, and I remember when that happened. I was like, "But can he make movies still?" Because he couldn't, and I was bummed. <laughs> and then he did Terminator Three after I think his run was over, and I was I was like, "Oh, maybe you should just be governor." Terminator 3 was like filmed right before and then it maybe came out like while he was actually governor and stuff like that but yeah, yeah, there was was yeah after that it's yeah that was that was my initial reaction to him running I was like oh he's not gonna be yeah. making movies or at least know. Well, you know but the thing is if anyone understands the American dream it's Arnold so so that part I get but I, I don't think I don't think he did it. I don't, I don't remember politics at that time. I, I don't, but I don't, but I gather he wasn't the best. So yeah, I think he came in on a recall, recall election. That's how he got it. Was able oh, to do okay. it. Yeah. Total recall. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I think he's the, also, also a great one. Are you planning on touring with this, with this music? I know it's coronavirus and all that. And you have, other care uh, other responsibilities, but do you, are you looking to play some some live music with the album at all? I'd love to, man. Um, so we we planned on uh, doing like CD release shows and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, the plan is to do that. I don't know to what extent. You know, it's kind of a it's a different genre. So like with the Cutlass thing, it's not really in the same world as far as like musically. Um, so, and I also don't necessarily, I don't, I want it to be its own thing. Like, I don't want to try to, if you love this band, you'll love this guy's music. You know, I want it to be its own thing, which is a lot harder. Um, uh, but I want, I want it to be yeah. stand on its own. So I, yes, the answer is yes. I'd love to, I want to, um, I'm still going to play with Cutlass and do all that stuff. Uh, I imagine I'll be doing it for a long time. I, I just, I love it. You know, and you're doing the release completely independent. Independent, yeah. I uh, it's all self-produced, or as far as self-funded, um, and then my brother uh, mixed and mastered it, and yeah, just got the the, the players myself and wrote all the songs and 
Yeah, I, I like it independent. I mean, if there was a label that wanted to do something with it, I think distribution would be cool, but I'm kind of weary of uh, labels and stuff. I've had some experiences and I don't know. Yeah. Especially because it's punk rock. I mean, isn't that against the rules? You're supposed to be independent. <laughs> it's tough though, dude. Like I would love if, if it was like, you know, had some, but it's gotten a lot of traction just based off of people liking it and then sharing it. Like with the indie vision stuff, like they wrote a really, really yeah. good review of it. And I was blown away actually. It's like, well, really? Um, and HM magazine did a review and stuff. And so, you know, I think if you do it grassroots and you kind of take the time to like do podcasts and interviews and, I think that helps build a strong foundation as opposed to just a here's tooth and nails, newest band that you'll forget about in 10 minutes. You know, uh, I don't want to. So. Yeah. Jerry's pizza in Bakersfield. Do they still put on shows? I think it's called Jerry's pizza. Yeah. Um, I think they do. That's actually right around the corner from where I live. So I live right down there downtown. Um, I saw, hmm? I've seen a couple bands there. I think I saw project 86 when they came around locally to the, and then like they seem to the, for some reason they just seem to have a lot of punk and hardcore shows at that, 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 at that venue. Yeah. Like, the, uh, the hardcore scene was huge in Bakersfield. They actually just did a documentary about it. Um, but I don't know if they're, I think they're still doing shows cause my, the guy who plays drums in the videos and stuff, uh, Tyler, he's in a band called modern wives and then another band called, uh, if it kills you and they, they play a lot and I think they play Jerry's pizza Sandrini's I don't know if you're that's like right across the street they're all like in that area there's a bunch of bars and venues and stuff mm -hmm. which would be cool to do that it'd be different it's been so long since I've been in like this Christian music world and cut kind of listen stuff to play a bar would be a unique experience at this point our band is Christian or Messianic or however you define it I mean we've played in bars and done open mics and stuff like that it's it's interesting I guess just as yeah, it's a it's a different thing, you know. I'm it didn't bother me too much, I guess. Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, well, music is music, you know, and the message, if it's true uh, and it's it's honest, you could play it anywhere. So I think that's cool. Um, you better not have drank though when you played <laughs> at that bar. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm um, hopefully when this thing kind of um, dies down a bit, I like I'd love to. Yeah. 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 yeah Cause I totally had a different, you know, different opinions on like Chris, you know, Christian music has got to be a label thing, like different opinions when I was 16 versus now, you know, on that. Yeah. Well, you know, back when I first discovered tooth and nail and, and figured out that there was Christian bands that weren't my, the stuff my mom liked, liked, you know, uh, I was like, Oh, yeah. cool. And you kind of, you know, when you discover anything for the first time, the, the danger is just becoming like militant about it. No, tooth. if you're not on tooth and nail and they don't, you know, they're not like good Christian. If they smoke, then they're not Christians. And so um, everyone's heart was broken when MXPX, you know, it's like, oh, we don't believe in God or whatever. And, you know, it would have destroyed a 16-year-old a me. But, you know, as I'm older, I'm like, well, but why? You know, like it doesn't change your music. I listened to uh, an interesting, um, the Hawk, the Hawk Nelson guy yeah. who, um, who recently came out about his faith. I, he I heard him, uh, he went on the unbelievable podcast and it was, it was nice oh. to hear Hitler's you know, in, interact on that. Um, and, um, it sounds like he's on a, you know, he's on a journey and, it, you know, I'll, you know, let's, I'll leave it to him, you know, to figure yeah. out with the Lord. Yeah. Our guitar player, James has been talking to John for the last year. James is a great theologian and uh, uh, James was his, his story is, is flopped. He wasn't a Christian. He was not very, not Christian. And then I got saved. And, and so um, where I think John's story is kind of like reversed, you know, grew up Christian and now yeah. it's like, nah. So the thing that's tough about it is that happens pretty often, but you don't hear about it unless it's a high profile name. And then when it is, yeah. you get the, well, they get the people are just like, see, I knew he was doing Christian music for the money. It's like, <laughs> well, you don't, you're not in Christian music, obviously, but um, you, <laughs> well, just, you know, judging him based off of this blog that they that they read and just kind of make a, a decision about his whole life. Like the guys, 
on a journey. I think it's good that he does that rather than just keep pretending and just be like, yeah. oh, I got to stick it out for the money. I think that's, or for the band, I think that's better. Cause then you could actually you yeah. know, come to a real realization, but yeah. I've, I've, I've met him in. once or twice and he's, he's a cool guy. But. My own faith, like, you know, I'm like, I've been thankful that, you know, some of the times through throughout my own journey <laughs> that, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't in the, I haven't been in the public spotlight or anything like that. Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's been, tough. And that's why those guys don't, they don't say stuff is because people are brutal. Like we were talking about with Twitter and whatever. It's like they make a judgment about you and then it's fact. And then that's it for you. They don't know you. They've never met you, but they know, they know the intentions of your heart. So. Yeah. Well, thankfully, thankfully the Lord, <laughs> the Lord does. We, we, we have no clue, you know, or sometimes, you know, we usually, no, we really don't, man. I think we could all learn from just, I'm right. I'm writing a song right now, actually, where the, the opening is just basically saying, let's start with this. We're all hypocrites let's find this common ground that we're all going to believe something different than we do. We're going to say something different than what we do because we're human. So if we can at least agree on that, then maybe we can give each other some space for forgiveness and people can change, you know, this whole cancel thing where you go and you find someone, something someone said back when they were like 10 years old and then you bring it up now, like, see, you're this. It's like, well, dude, I was a teenager. I was an idiot. That's what people do when they're teenagers. They'd be idiots. So, but we love it, dude. We love to like dig up dirt and then forget the fact that it's like we all got skeletons of some degree in our closets. So, you know, yeah, maybe we could just back up a little bit and, and show some grace. We're going to want grace when it's our turn. So where can you get the album and, and all that stuff? Yeah. So nateparish.com, you can get the album there, uh, have you know, physical CDs and stuff with all the artwork. And then, uh, there's links on all there to find it on Spotify, iTunes. It's pretty much everywhere you could stream music. And then if you want physical CDs, I'm doing like a CD uh, sticker button deal um, on my website. So I suggest CDs. Um, I think the, the sound quality is better personally. The next time I, I get back to Bakersfield, <laughs> yeah, dude. it'll happen hopefully sometime in my life. You know? Yeah. <laughs> What's the best way to get it digitally so you get most of the proceeds? Um, the biggest cut. <laughs> um i don't know dude probably itunes i had a, it's i don't i i tried the Bandcamp thing i'm not gonna make money off this so it's just wanna, it's just for purely for the love of it but i appreciate that but yeah you can just get it itunes or whatever whatever you prefer okay so that was our interview with nate parish and if you want to look it up online it's his last name has two r's in it so it's p-a-r-r-i-s-h and of course, and if you're looking up Cutlass, it's K-U-T-L-E-S-S. Here's the final song from the album. It's called Hope. Oh, I enjoy the song and hope you guys do too. I'm a resident And I rent this skin that I am in And I've borrowed every breath I've ever had I can't pay it back And tragedy It's like radiology It's an x-ray of my very soul And I feel exposed
Thank you for listening to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works.